Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Thank you for joining me again for another Hi! episode. Potential. Oh, she's so excited already. She can't stand <laughs> it. This is very fun. I have as my guest today, PJ Jackson, and she is, boy, I'll tell you, talk about a positive character. Everything I've read about this woman so far just makes me want to know her and be in her circle uh, just to feel some of that vibe. And uh, some of the ways she describes herself as an author, an influencer, a decision maker, but really what I want to talk about with her today is not only how she's helping people, you know, grown up children to mm-hmm. accomplish their own potential through positivity, but she does a lot of work with our children in this world and has actually spoken to over 2,400, probably more by now, children who you've read to them across many states wearing rainbow, rainbow colored socks, which I can't wait to hear about. And really talking about how to impact through kindness. So first of all, let me welcome to uh, the podcast. Thank you, PJ, for joining me today. Oh, thank you, Michael. I'm so excited to be here. I uh, this is I love I <laughs> I just wiggling in my seat, having a good time. So thank you for this opportunity. I love talking about kids and kindness and and uh, and the journey. Um, I got to tell you, the journey is the whole fun part. So I'm happy to be here. Oh, go ahead. I feel all your energy too. I'm like dancing as well. <laughs> That's why I also like to do these in video as well as audio because, you know, sometimes the excitement just comes through so much. And as I'm talking to people, I'm like, wait, I, I want to say something there too. It's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Great. Oh, okay. Brief introduction, but give my uh, listeners, uh, you know, your kind of, uh, I don't like to say elevator pitch because I don't think that really sums it up for us, but you know, how do you describe yourself and what do you do and what makes you shock the potential of the people that you work with? Well, oh gosh, that is like hours worth of talking. So how do I <laughs> make it really short, right? Um, so my my whole vibe is about personal transformation. So I am, I'm an engineer. I'm an applied scientist. My area of expertise is knowledge. So I'm an actual knowledge engineer. And I spent 30 years in industry, in aerospace and defense. I served in the military. And so I really had a very structured life, right? Um, And everything was a problem to solve. And that was, I mean, that was my whole life. And I had to, I was shocked into (laughs) making a change. 
um, at 30 years and it, I mean, at the height of my career. So what I do is I, I'm, a, I'm a transformational change agent still, okay, and I'm an expert in knowledge management and things like that. But I was, I was actually taking every job I could in industry to be a program manager. I'm in a program management institute. I mean, I was doing cultural change initiatives. And at the height of my industry success, I was doing like 60 speeches a year, always on the road, always wow. focused on you know, serving others in a way that was someone else's agenda. What happened was my husband was diagnosed with leukemia the second time. The first time in 2002, he lived 13 years in remission. In 2015, he was diagnosed a second time. And this time it was really, really bad. And um, so we move into the hospital. I'm at the, you know, I'm traveling all over the place. I have to, I have to train someone to be me. Oh boy. Okay. And, and honestly tell him all the secrets of being me. Right. And that's just like stripping yourself. Right. Yeah. And, and so my husband's sitting in the hospital, he's getting his chemo and he's left. He's like, you know, honey, if, if we know I'm going to die this time, maybe you should stop working. And I was like, well, tell you what, how about I retire and you live? And he did. So this was like this huge transformation for me. And I was given all this time to then start to figure out, you know, you grow up with an idea of what your life is supposed to look like. And you have this vision and this path. And we head toward it. We don't question it. And we listen to our family and our friends and we just head toward it. But when life changes and you can't finish the life that you think you started, you have to find your potential for the life that you were born to live. You have mm. to look for it. And that's what happened. And we actually wrote our children's book, Sophie G. Wonderland, one of a kind in the hospital on the walls. We were drawing wow. it and everything. And it was really, it was just such an experience. So that's sort of like my journey in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Well, and PJ, there's so many incredible uh, lessons to be learned in just the description of that. Number one, and I hate to make this statement, but I think it's important to say it, is that you know, with your background in uh, applied science and really having a scientific mind, there's a lot of people, um, including myself, that, that uh, you know, your first reaction or your first thought about somebody is that you're very linear thinker. So you know, some of the, the positive transformations that you're talking about helping people to achieve and really see their potential doesn't always automatically equate to people. You know, scientific mind is going to be this person with less emotions. And instead, really understanding that all of us have lots of pieces inside of us that sometimes are uh, have to be funneled in a way due to our job or our lives. And yet that doesn't mean that those other parts can't exist or shouldn't exist. And it doesn't mean you can't bring them out at any point in time, as long as you're willing to, like you said, sometimes you're living the life you wanted to and something changes along the way and you've got to change with it. Yeah. It's whether or not you're going to accept that change to reach your potential. Absolutely. And, and the way I describe it in a lot of my workshops is, um, contracted and expanded awareness. And we are conditioned to be contracted, to do what we're told, to move forward, to stay within our lane, right? And when yeah. you start expanding your awareness, you start realizing that it's not 
it, this or that, it can be this and that, right? right. And, and you start expanding that potential to much more than you realized you could do. Oh my goodness. And it's so true. It, you know, I, I uh, heard somebody when I first started, uh, when I kind of left corporate America a couple years ago and I said, okay, you know, I've always done speaking like you and I always did it for my job. So I was always, you know, working somebody else's agenda, but I had a passion for it. Always loved it. I've always spoken. And so when it was came down for me to become my own speaker and, and pursue this, everybody kept saying, you have to pick a lane, pick a lane, pick a lane Have one talk. You're an expert on one thing, do that. And I'm like, no, that's just not clearly. Yeah. I don't pick one color to go with, you know, and know. Uh, it's been an interesting journey t trying to even in my own mind say it's okay for me to have many different iterations of what I do because it's all really at the end of the day about helping people achieve their potential and mostly professional potential, but that can be in leadership or sales or customer experience or, you know, hiring practices, all those things. But if you don't have the passion for the one thing, you know, then just being in one lane is only going to keep you so narrow. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That is a tough, it's tough. It, it's tough to make that shift because something happens when we're successful in industry. We, uh, so our neural pathways tell us these are the ways that we're successful and we repeat mm -hmm. them over and over and over. And then when you leave industry and you become an entrepreneur, you're like, okay, yesterday I was mega famous, mega super, you know, all, everything was awesome. You know, you have a full staff that's doing all this stuff and you, you know, all of a sudden you're like in your studio by yourself going, how, <laughs> how come the phone's not ringing? You know, and why not in my pajamas? <laughs> yeah, I know. How, how come stuff's not happening? How come I'm not on the road? Why don't, why is my calendar not full? And you have to go through this transition mm -hmm. um, to, to really find that new path, to find that potential. It just doesn't pop up. We perceive that 30 years of potential happened overnight because we lived it. Mm -hmm. The next day, there is no experience in that new environment and you've got to build that potential. Well, and it even makes me think this morning, I was writing my blog about, uh, about the things that we do to self-soothe self as adults. And I was <clears throat> giving a little bit of a highlight. I was reminiscing about being in business and being very successful, <clears throat> excuse me, in my 20s, my 30s, and my 40s. And in all those cases, until somewhere around the low 40s, I finally got smart and realized success, I am not successful because I am working 90 hours a week and I'm crazy stressed and I'm juggling 110,000 things and I never say no. That's not why I'm successful. So don't equate that with the way you're successful in the next iteration of your, of your life or even the continuation of your career because it's very easy to find those patterns and assume they make a direct correlation instead of saying, maybe I'm successful because I work hard, I'm smart, I, I prepare, I, I research, I, you know, I, I learn, I'm a constant learner. Maybe those are the things that are responsible for my success, not the fact that I was on a treadmill for so long and was wearing myself out every time I turned around. Yeah, well that's where the big first step for me was, what's your new business card say, right? Because <laughs> your whole career in industry is to get that title and to you know, climb the ladder. And so for me, author was great because it's like, here I am. I had written my husband's memoir for the first leukemia. And that turned out to be sort of like a love story, like a, a love letter. It was, 
It was daily transmissions. It was called Adventure Day One because that's what he said in the title of the email to his family. Adventure Day One. And so I had been this author and then Sophie was going to be, you know, Sophie Jew Wonderland was going to be the next big thing. But I had to break it down. And to your point, I'm an influencer. I can sit in a room and listen and connect the dots for people that can't hear each other. And I'm a difference maker. I can be in an organization or in um, a session or a workshop and know that that is going to turn out different because I'm there, because my energy is there. Who has those as titles? Nobody, right? <laughs> Unless you decide to embrace it. Right. And so that's the whole thing. When you find your potential, you can title yourself whatever you are. That's, <laughs> that's the beauty of all this, right? The second half of life is really way cooler than the first half. I agree. And it's funny because I, I finally made the decision about six months ago because my business platform is called Shock Your Potential. And I'm like, do I put author? Do I put speaker? What do I put? You know, do I put CEO? You know, great. I finally decided I'm the chief potential officer. So yeah. my card's a CPO and people are like, what, what are you? I'm like the chief potential officer. Of course. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, and even in industry. So back in 1999 is when I started my uh, master's work on knowledge. And I am a strategist by nature. That's what I like to do. And so I was a knowledge strategist in 1999. And then you'd go into these meetings and these conferences and they'd go, what is that? What's that? Exactly. <laughs> What's that? What's that? You know? And so it's a, it's, a, it's a conversation opener, right? Absolutely. Well, so tell me a little bit about this book. So you're, okay, wait, I, I know I'm Sophie some Wonderland. So, Sophie G., Wonderland. Wanderland. Wanderland. Because she's wandering. Yes. <laughs> she's, she's a seeker. So Wanderland is German for seeker. Tell me, so, about her, tell me about this book. Yeah, I want to know about this. Okay. So Sophie G. Wonderland is a one-of-a-kind adventure where all her adventures are in kindness. And um, although these types of things aren't out in public, the background is Sophie is wisdom. Sophie means wisdom. And Wanderlin is German for seeker. So she's a wisdom seeker. And although right now she's seven years old, these first 10 years of these books, she'll be seven years old. Then she'll be a, you know, adolescent and her kindness will shift from teaching her friends how to be kind to teaching adults and others to be kind to the planet. So she will eventually be an ecological kindness person, right? So, but anyway, the first book that I wrote, The Adventure Day One, has seven positive strategies when life's journey gets rough. And I had a Twitter feed. My publicist had had me watching stuff and everything. And one Twitter came by one day and it said, if you want to change the future, write a children's book. And I thought, hmm, these seven positive strategies got us through cancer. Yeah. Why, why couldn't I look at those and say, Oh, could kids do this? And what happened was, I love rainbows. And I mean, I mean, Sophie's thought process, because I get this from the kids all the time. They're like, why should she wear rainbow socks? Why should I, <laughs> you know, why should I like rainbows? You know, and, and it's like, well, because. I after, love it for their voices. <laughs> after a storm comes a rainbow. And that 
no matter what storm you have in your life, there will always be a rainbow. And so that's part of the teaching with the kids. But the seven colors are seven ways of kindness. So red is kindness to yourself. Orange is kindness through sharing. Yellow is kindness through helping hands. Green is kindness through love. Blue is kindness through your speech. Indigo is kindness through your knowing right from wrong. And purple, violet is kindness through wisdom and your big ideas that are kind. Wow. I love that. And yes. what a way to, to make it so tangible yes. and memorable. I love that so much. How do kids react to this? Oh, they, they love it because there's this cheer. I, it's funny. I went on tour and the first class I went to, the librarian was like, do you have color pages for them? Do you have activity pages? I'm like, I just published this book. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> you know? I got a book. Let's go yeah. with it. <laughs> Let's go with it, right? And so we were actually on travel. And so I'm in the shower going, I got to have a song. I got to have a cheer. And so I came up with this thing called Find a Way to Be Kind Today. And the kids sing it with me. And it's find a way, find a way, find a way to be kind today. Red, I am red, I am red. I am kind. And then they find a way, find a way. So the kids go crazy. And what's awesome is I went to a Title I school. So these are the uh, children that have a lower income. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a thousand kids, pre-K to two years old, a thousand children, oh 500, 500 in the morning, 500 in the afternoon. And what was wonderful is that the um, assistant principal would do the find a way at General Assembly every Friday for three months before I got there. Oh no. Oh yes. how amazing. Oh. Yes. And and so these kids, and it was like I was this rock star. So I'm, you know, I'm dressed up in this little outfit and I got my rainbow scarf on and my rainbow socks. And you know, and I come in and I'm like, hi. And they're like, oh, you're here. You know, and it's like, <laughs> oh, you were a rock star. I mean, I am, you know, and so they were so excited. And uh, what is even more impressive is I started moving into this kindness consulting where this is really killy, uh, silly, but you go into a school and you say, hi, I have a book and I'd like to read to your children. And they go, oh, kindness. We do that in February because of <laughs> Valentine's Day. <laughs> We're only kind in February. The rest of the months, suck it up. <laughs> and, and, and so then they're like, they introduce me and they'll go, okay, kids, here's Miss PJ Jackson. She's going to talk to you about kindness. Remember last month when we were kind? <laughs> oh, <good> God. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, keep going. I can't wait to hear how this ends. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I thought to myself, there's got to be something different here that is, is happening, right? And, and there are wonderful organizations out there that are doing kindness challenges and they're doing kindness rocks and, you know, different projects. And so it's out there. I don't know how close you are to any teachers, but they're overwhelmed. Oh, you know? yeah. And That's so how I started out in this world. I was a Catholic school teacher. I made it one yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I wanted, I put my intention out there to consult for a school all year long so that we would start in the fall. I would come and I would read to the kids and they would do the cheer and then I would come back. And what happened was 
so amazing because it pushed me. Um, Sophie is, an, is a picture book for three to five-year-olds and an early reader for five to eight-year-olds, right? And so for me, it's pre-K to third grade. And I thought, okay, that's my wheelhouse. Well, this school said, well, we have fourth and fifth graders. Could you do something for them? And I thought, okay. So what I came up with was, what color is your life? And each of the colors are career paths. And so these kids were all excited because like red is kindness to yourself, but it's also service like fireman or nurse or health, right? Mm -hmm. And then like uh, indigo is your intuition. So those are engineers and, and inventors and, and scientists. And it was funny because the kids would raise their hand and go, okay, my dad's an engineer. So he's indigo. I can go home and tell him he's indigo. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, yeah. yes, yes please. you can, please do. Um, and so I also added for the fourth and fifth graders, I said, if, because the way I do the talk is I talk about my first time I was kind to an inanimate object. I bought a, a damaged toy and the lady was like, honey, this is broken. And I'm like, well, no, I'm going to take it home. I'm going to fix it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I found a essay I wrote at 14. So this is 1975, um, about a leprechaun that wanted three wishes. And one of them was to know how to help others and to be kind at 14. So I'm thinking maybe I had this path and I just didn't know it. Right. Maybe so. Yeah. So I offered to the children, if you want to do an essay, I will come back and I will help you with it. And then we'll publish an article. I had two takers, a fourth grade girl and a fifth grade girl. And they both wrote articles, little stories. And I've had my first meeting with them and we started talking about research. And I was like, you know, what do you think about kindness? And I said, well, Sophie's mantra is find a way to be kind today. And um, I said, what is your mantra around kindness? I said, that's your, your task. And when we come back together and I said, so we're going to do this around when you think kindness shifts, because there is some research that in third grade, the rising third graders have an issue. And I have a little bit of proof. So I'm reading to a rising third grade class and Sophie's sections are all in colors. And so in the orange section, she's, her kindness adventure is about the sunrise and she wants to draw a picture of the sunrise for her mommy. So these two little boys in the back of the class, one goes, so where do you think her mom is? The other one goes, ah, oh, she's dead. <gasps> oh my. And I was like, wow. And then wow. In, the, in the indigo section, she's making... Um, cupcakes with her dad to take to school because it's her turn to take a treat. And he says, you can't have one because there's only enough for everyone in your class. And he takes the garbage out. And so I asked the class, what do you think Sophie does? Same two little boys. Oh, she eats it. And I'm thinking there's something that happens. So I started doing this research. And the reality is third grade is when uh, popularity starts and when bullying starts. And when the children start to put their armor on and start doing things that are out of character, but because they're trying to fit in. Right. And, and these, so these two little girls, I'm talking to them and they're like, oh yeah, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, biggest problem is somebody takes your pencil, you know? Right. She said, but third grade, they're like, we don't really want to go in any higher in grades because of bullying and, and everything. And so I'm thinking to myself, what is systemically wrong? with us as a society 
if we are acknowledging this and letting it happen. And, and so I can't even remember what your first question was, but I don't know either, but this was fantastic. And I just keep thinking, you know, in that scenario, if you go into the school and they're like, well, we teach kindness in February because of Valentine's day, that is such a tie in to the fact that this change is happening at some point in time with our kids. I had no idea, but as you were talking, I mean, I could think back to third grade for myself and the distinctions of people who used to be your friends who are now, um, getting into clicks, yeah. you know, and so then there's that group and, you know, and that group doesn't want you in this group unless you do this and, you know, or maybe you don't get picked, you know, for dodgeball or, you know, whatever it is. Not that we play dodgeball anymore. Yeah. <laughs> or when you're playing dodgeball, when people are throwing the ball at you harder because, you know, they, yeah. they want to make sure everybody sees that they can knock you down. Um, and if we're not focused on that, if we're not trying to teach kindness the whole way, or the flip side is, if we do, what kind of changes could we impact? Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's, um, that's really where I'm going next with my, my whole research and everything. Um, so because I do have you know, a technical background, I'm going to take these colors of kindness and turn them into um, an app so that children, so the way I look at it is I believe that the soundtrack of our childhood becomes the narrative of our life. Mm. And the things we hear, we're not born with any preconceptions, no judgment, no fear, none of that. Yeah. But yet it's the soundtrack that we hear. And that becomes the narrative. We repeat it. So I want to infuse kindness into the soundtrack at all levels. So the app starts out, first phase, I wanna have prototype by this year is to actually have children, you know, say, uh, you know, I wanna be red today. Okay, red is kindness to yourself. Make sure you brush your teeth, have a piece of fruit today, and make sure that you rest if you're tired, and tell me about your day when you come home, right? You come home, right. I wanted to be red. This also then takes it to the parents level. So you're taking them off to the bus stop and you're like, okay, Michael, what color did you pick today? I picked red. Okay. How are you doing with it? I brushed my teeth and I have a banana in my bag, you know? Um, okay. And then when they come home, so Michael, how was your day? Were you red today? Were you kind to yourself? Oh yeah. I got tired at recess and I sat down, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. so then that opens this conversation between parents and children. And I, I, I think it's going to be, and so that's the beginning of what I think can really turn into a very interactive artificial intelligence, deep learning kind of path as those technologies start to come together. So for me, it's this first colors of kindness and getting the kids to interact and making that part of this soundtrack that the children are sharing with each other. It becomes a language. We know colors. Kids are taught colors. Well, now what are the colors of kindness? I love it. Okay. So now I can have another conversation and say, you know, you might be on the playground and you might say, Hey, Bobby, you're not being very green. Do you think mm -hmm. you could be kinder to me today? You know, mm -hmm. and kids are like, it's green. Green is love and we should all love each other. You know, and it's a different way to diffuse. I love, I, I, 
I love this so much. And now I'm like, I've got to get the books for my grandkids. <laughs> I have the app for my son to go with my grandbabies because it's so easy to get caught up in the fast pace of our world and not have dialogues. And often parents don't know what dialogues to have that will help. Two other things, just because I have my, my mind is on fire before we take a break, is that I love the fact that every day, too, you can pick a different color. Like today, yeah. I want to be blue. Today, I want to be indigo. And you can have intention mm -hmm. with your day that doesn't mean perfect rainbow every day. It means mm -hmm. mastery of one thing with intention for the day. Big concept, but you know, brought down to a, a role that, that little kids can really understand. Yeah. Um, one other thing that I wanted to share with you um, that uh, as you were talking about, uh, you know, you could say on the playground, you know, hey, you're not being very green today. And by the way, I love your little kid voices. They're fabulous. Um, <laughs> I, I do voices, but they're often of my mother. <laughs> and they go, what do you mean? I'm like, I, I can do your voice. Don't worry. That's all I got. <laughs> but, uh, but I used to my, I had a company once before a couple iterations ago called Energy Pie. And the reason that my company was called Energy Pie, and everybody thought that was really weird, but when I was in my early 20s, I went to a stress solutions, it was stress solutions for women, you know, one of those career track or career path seminars, whatever. It was taught by a man, which I thought was funny, but he was, I don't know who he is. I don't know who to give the credit to, but I've just all, so I always, you know, put that out there, but he was talking about different ways to look at your energy in the day. And you could look at it as a balloon. You could look at it as this, look at that, but he talked about it as a pie. And if you have, um, you know, you have a, only so much energy every day when you get up. And if you had a great night of sleep, like I did last night, and you know, you're feeling very productive, I've already gotten my gold star today because I've exercised, I've done my meditation and I've worked in my journal. So I give myself literally a gold star. So I'm having a great day. So I have a lot of energy. Now, so throughout my day, I'm going to use energy and I'm going to gain energy. Mm -hmm. And the question is, do I let people take my energy? So if I am driving to work and I get mad because the traffic's bad and I'm just, oh, I can't believe you did that. And why did you pull in front of me? I'm giving away my positive energy that's now negative. And so by the time I get to work, I might not have any left. And then what if I go to work and I've got a bunch of negative people around me that are all trying to steal my pie? So I've always talked about this as this way of saying in a very non-threatening, non-judgmental way to say, you know, if, if I walk into the break room with you and you're complaining about something, your job, your work, your life or whatever, and I go, PJ, you can't have my pie today. Yeah. I'm holding on to my pie. You hold yep. on to your pie. I'm holding on to my pie. Yep. It's another way for us to have a conversation that says, I got to recognize you're, you're draining me, but I don't have to say it in an offensive way. And same thing with this, with the colors is to teach kids at such a young age, not to, not to argue, not to fight, yeah. but not to avoid. Yeah. You know, not to run away from the fact that that kid's making me uncomfortable, so I'm just going to avoid it, or I'm going to, you know, you know, have a quick response on social media to something, but rather that I'm going to have a, con a really conscious way to say, this is not okay, or to recognize in the flip, hey, that was really green of you, or how blue <laughs> of you, or yeah. how purple of you. What a great yeah. way to compliment without knowing how to say, gosh, I think that was really nice what you did for that kid who didn't have a friend on the playground and you helped him. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so many great things. So we're going to take a quick break. I'll hear from our sponsor and we'll be right back with PJ Jackson. 
So here we are again with PJ. I don't even know how long we've been talking. I haven't even worried about any of the questions <laughs> because this has been so fascinating. I'm really excited Aww, about it. Thank you. you. Do wonderful, positive energy. So let me ask you, um, you know, kind of as we're getting down to the end here, you know, a couple things about, you know, what you've learned. So if you could, if you could go back to the younger PJ at any point in time, tell her anything that would have shocked her potential farther, fast, faster, or kept you on the exact same path. What point in time would you go back to her? What would you tell her and why? Uh, I have a hard time going back. Um, for me, that question is the moment I walked the labyrinth. Um, so my husband was diagnosed with this leukemia and your immune system drops, right? And he was given um, a diagnosis on Fusarium, which is a fungus, which is 100% death. Oh, so, my. Here, so here we are in the hospital. And if his immune system doesn't pump up overnight, you know, he's not going to be here. And I had never walked a labyrinth. And a labyrinth is not a maze. So it's, it's actually a, a flow, right? So engineer, um, applied scientist, I go up to this labyrinth and I'm like, okay, how do I solve this? This is a problem. How long will it take me? How will I get to the middle? How, is anybody watching me? Should I make sure? How, okay. I mean, this is this whole stress as I walked up to it when there was this little old lady and she's like, okay, go ahead and start. And I said, but how do I do it? And she goes, what do you mean? I said, well, how do I know I'm doing it right? She goes, there's only one way in and one way out. Just do it. And, 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 and I was like, oh my, right? So I actually, in my book, The Labyrinth Influence, I talk about this experience and it's really about not looking at your life as a problem to solve. It's a journey. And that you don't need to know where the path's going to take you. You just have to trust that your instincts are going to give you the right next step. And, and these would be things that I would want everyone to be thinking about. Relish your accomplishments. You know, where you are today, and I can imagine, just like I do, we look at other people and we say, oh, they're a little bit farther than we are, or maybe I should be doing that, or they've got more likes or more followers. And the reality is, look where you are. Mm -hmm. Look what you've done and relish in that, right? And dance with this life, right? That's what bliss is. I, you know, you've got to, you're going to get to where you need to be when you let go of worrying about where you are and just dance with this flow of life. And so for me, the things that came out were find your vibe, know your path and love yourself. Because for me, I always put myself last, always. And everybody else that I was supposed to take care of was first. And every time I took time for myself, I felt guilty. And that guilt just overwhelms you and you just stay on that other path. And the reality is, is what I've learned is that's not selfish. That self-time, self-care, mm -hmm. it is the power that we have that fuels our potential mm -hmm. and that we have to get past that. And so what I do is I work with women mostly um, 
to understand, am I doing this right? And it's just three straight questions. Who am I? Am I on the right path? And what do I believe about myself? Mm -hmm. And I didn't start asking myself those things until I was in my 50s. What if we can get women in their 20s to ask those questions and be full of all their potential earlier in life? We will rock this world. Absolutely. That's a great. I'm actually speaking at a conference next weekend called Start Loving You. And it's a, it's a woman's, you know, it's for mothers and uh, of all ages, but mostly for, you know, young mothers who still have kids Mm -hmm. at home at some age in that realm. And it's about taking time to care for yourself so that you have enough energy to care for others, but really putting yourself first, which doesn't mean to the exclusion, right? It means to support and to lift. And it's, it's such a great reminder. It's, and I, when people say it's easier said than done with things, sometimes I want to say, well, why, why is it easier said than done? Why don't we just try? Because I think sometimes when we say it's easier said than done, that's our way of, well, I'm not going to really work on it because, you know, that's too hard or somebody's going to think I'm selfish or whatever, instead of why not try and do it and figure out how that keeps everybody else buoyant because you are, you're floating at a higher level. Oh, absolutely. I, I, um, so I take baby steps with the government. So right now I'm on a government contract and working with government employees and I was asked to do my positive life skills in a leadership uh, setting. And I said, you know, I'd, I'd like them to meditate. And, uh, <laughs> and you went, uh, what, what? No. And, and so there was a woman that was running the, the class and she said, Oh, I think that would be great. I said, okay. And it was two thirds men, um, which most government classes are, and they did it. And the feedback I got from the people afterwards was phenomenal. Oh, and so, good. and now I have it in my, my set. doesn't matter if it's, you know, external industry or, or government. And the reality is you can't be the best you until you invest in you. Mm-hmm. And so many people are caught up in the hype that mindfulness and meditation is all, you know, woo woo and nobody should, you know, I don't know how to, do, I always, I'm funny. I'm, so <laughs> I, I will say now, I just want to make sure that you understand. Um, we're going to do this for three minutes. You will not rise up off the chair. <laughs> there will be no ums unless yeah. you want. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and I actually, I had a female Navy captain come up to me and she said, you know, I've tried to meditate my whole life. That was the soundest three minutes I've ever done. Mm. And, that, and that was so heartwarming to me because yes. it's like, I'm doing something right. And, and I think that's the thing is that once you get people aware that it's okay to have this conversation with themselves, yes, because the most important person you will ever meet is you. Mm. And if you're not being you, you're pretending. Yeah. That's a great line. The most important person you will ever meet is you. Absolutely. Beautiful. Well, goodness, we have, I could talk for hours. I have so (laughs) many questions I would love to ask, but we're wrapping up. So let me, uh, I'm going to have all of your contact information on the show notes, but for anybody who isn't going to immediately go, what's the best way for them to find you? Ah, www.pjjackson.com. 
everything I do, all of my books are there. Um, all the pictures of the kids all jumping up and down, they're all there too. So <laughs> I took a look this morning. It's great. I love it. It was very, very exciting. It made me, uh, made me energized as well. So as we wrap up, any uh, last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners? You're enough. Believe it. You are enough. And your potential is so much stronger and so much bigger than you even realize today. Spend time in silence and find it because that's where you find it. PJ, what amazing words. It's so true and something that every single person should listen to and contemplate. It has been such a pleasure having you on today. Thank you so much Thank for joining. You. And we will Thank stay. Thank you for the opportunity, Michael. Absolutely. <laughs> Bye. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.